the book of Acts tonight, Acts chapter 17, the book of Acts chapter 17, and I appreciate that song, appreciate the singing today, appreciate the meals on today and last evening, and uh, enjoy the fellowship. We thank God for the man of God and his dear wife and the family, and uh, you know that the Lord's blessed you with a good man of God, and I know that you take care of him, and uh, love him, pray, pray, pray for him, stand with him, help him, and uh, in these days and and hour we live in. Uh, I tell you what, men are, of God are quitting and uh, and some of them are weary and they're tired and uh, they need help. And uh, one of the biggest things, and I'm, I'm sure this church is different, I pray that it is, uh, but a lot of places I go, the, the men of God have said, uh, I can't get the people to participate. They won't come visiting. They won't come praying. They won't come church faithfully. And so, uh, you know what? That's a burden to the man of God. And so when you're here and you're faithful, that encourages him. Amen. And encouraging him gives him strength as well. And uh, you pray for us. We'll head tomorrow to Alabama and we start a youth camp. You pray for that youth camp that God would have his way. And uh, last year at this same camp, uh, God moved in a mighty way. I, on two nights out of the four, I did not get to preach. And they started at 530 of singing and practicing. It broke out in testimony meetings and some were laying behind the piano uh, on their face before God for two and three hours. Uh, we didn't get out till 1030 and 11 o'clock at night. And, and, and I know that every year won't be the same, but you pray God move in there. And uh, I love our young people. We need to, uh, an, another generation to stand up, be identified and uh, not be afraid. Uh, and for young men to be men. Amen. And, uh, not to be, uh, <laughs> Uh, transgender and that a blessing. But anyway, uh, God help us. <clears throat> you know, if there's anything, and I've never wore a, a beard, but if there's anything that would ever make me want to, it's the day we live in. Amen. And uh, just to let everybody know that I am a man. Hallelujah. But I never have, and I probably never will. Uh, but I sure don't uh, uh, have any problems you fellas to do. Thank God. Uh, hallelujah. And uh, we need some men. Amen. Need men to walk like men and talk like men and act like men. Amen. And not be ashamed to be a man. The news media and the democratic left have tried to make it to be almost a crime to be a man. Hey, it's all right to be manly if you're a man. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God for men. And I don't want to get sidetracked tonight, but anyway, hallelujah. Amen for men. Acts chapter 17 Verse 23, he said, for as I passed by, I beheld your devotion, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship him, declare unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things, hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation. What about that? The Lord believed in borders too. Amen. <laughs> anyway, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him, find him, though he be not far from every one of us. 
For in him we live and move and have our being. Certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. I'm interested in verse 23. Paul said, when I passed by, I beheld your devotion. When I passed by, I beheld your devotion. Now, in this chapter here in the text, the Athenians here had three problems. Number one, he said, you're too superstitious. We live in a superstitious world. We live in a religious world. And he said, you've got too much superstition going on in your life. Uh, Webster said that uh, the word superstitious means a belief or practice resulting from ignorance, fear of the unknown, trust in magic or chance, or a false conception of causation. For instance, if you break a mirror, you're going to have bad luck. Uh, you're not to walk under a ladder. If you see a, a black cat, I think you're supposed to turn around and go back the other way. That's superstition and it's ignorance. Amen. That's what Webster said it was. Hallelujah. Then the second problem that they had, but Brent, they were always trying to find some new truth. Kind of what the preacher talked about this morning. Always trying to find a, a new truth. I'm glad, Brother Wesley, I'm satisfied with the truth that I have tonight. Hallelujah. I'm not looking for any other truth. Uh, I'm anchored in that King James Bible and I'm satisfied with the truth that I have, hallelujah. It worked all these years and it'll work until Jesus comes, amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for truth. They were always trying to find something new. Then thirdly, the problem was they were always trying to say something new. You ever met them people that trying to find that new catchphrase? Uh, they want to be identified of saying something different. You know what Solomon said? He said it wasn't nothing new under the sun. You ever get a message together and you say to yourself, man, I ain't never heard anybody preach this. And man, you're all excited. And then about six months later, you read a book that a guy wrote 50 years ago and he had the same message you did. What about that? You know why? Because it's the same Bible and the same Holy Ghost told him, told you, amen, uh, because there is nothing new uh, under the sun, Amen. Oh, uh, I believe I'm thinking think of his name. <laughs> we had a camp meeting together, and uh, he is in the prison ministry. And he he got up like this, and he said, "I still believe God can meet a man out in an old barn and give him a message from heaven." He built us up, brother Wesley. But he said, but this ain't one of them. I got it from somebody else. And he said, turn your Bible. Amen. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, there is nothing new under the sun. Amen. I'm interested in tonight devotion. He said, as a passed by, I beheld your devotion. That word simply means something adored, an object of worship, the state of being dedicated. What about that? The state 
of being dedicated. That is a word we've lost in our vocabulary in 2019 of being dedicated. There was a day when you could count on folk and I pray today we can still count on you at the Pleasant View Baptist Church. Amen. That you're not working on Thursday night. That you will be in the house of God on visitation. Amen. Being dedicated to the things of of God. Hallelujah. Uh, we see uh, Paul said, first of all, as I passed by, I beheld your altar. I beheld your altar. He said, I wonder if I pass by your house, if I see you praying. I wonder if you pass by my house, if you'd see me praying. He said, I beheld your altar as I passed by. Now, three things about an altar. Number one, an altar deals with sacrifice. You are going to have to sacrifice if you're going to pray. You're going to have to make up your mind. You're going to have to push yourself. Your flesh doesn't like to bow. It don't like to pray. But you're going to have to sacrifice some time if you're going to have an altar in your life. If you and I are going to have an altar that someone can come by and pass by and see our altar, we're going to have to do some sacrificing. Amen. Number two, it deals with self You know, if you find Abraham, a man who built altars in his life, he was a man that was a patriarch of the faith. He was a man who trusted God. He was a man who was a friend of God. You find a man named Lot. No recording of him ever building an altar. You'll find that Abraham built altar, but you won't find that Lot did. And guess what Lot was? He was a man who had committed incest with his own daughters. He was a man that was in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 13, uh, he pitched his tent toward it. It only took six chapters to get within uh, the city. Here he is dwelling in the midst of wickedness and ungodliness. The Bible said that he vexed his righteousness soul uh, from day to day had he, uh, listen if the Bible hadn't put in there he had a righteous soul, we'd put him in hell brother George, we'd say the way that Lot lived, Uh, you see it does matter if you have an altar in your life, it does matter if you pray, amen your children uh, and grandchildren, the only hope that they have uh, is the fact that somebody would build an altar for them uh, and pray, amen, Oh, it is important tonight uh, that we pray. And so it deals with self. It deals with sacrifice. It deals with sin. Thank God we have an altar that we can come and pray and confess and keep clean. I know uh, maybe some in the crowd tonight uh, that you are flapping your spiritual wings uh, that you don't need an altar. I need one. Amen. I wish I could tell you uh, that I didn't sin, but then I'd be lying. Amen? Uh, we all do. But thank God we have an altar. Thank God uh, there is uh, uh, an altar that we can can uh, come and confess and, and get our sins clean. I'm glad, thank God, he loves me enough uh, uh, to forgive me of my sin uh, and cleanse me uh, from all unrighteousness. So Paul said, as I pass by, I beheld your altar. Number two. He said, I beheld uh, not only your altar, but your announcement. That word inscription means public. 
I beheld your announcement. Whether you like it or not, you are a public example of a child of God. You have claimed that name. And so there is uh, an announcement about your life. I wonder how it is. I wonder, Brother brother Holden, if I pass by your house or if you pass by mine, how would it be with our public concerning our faith? Do we share the word of God? Do we testify? Do we pass out gospel tracts? When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Not on visitation, but on your own. When's the last time you gave out a gospel tract? And you know what's good, Brother Brent, is when you do, you feel good about it. Because you are supposed to be sharing the word of God. Uh, you know what? I'm afraid we as Baptists, we fail in that area. We fail in giving out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ten years ago, ten years ago, my pastor gave a man a gospel track. He took that track and he went to the house and he set it up on the dresser. He done nothing with it in 10 years. He got cancer and he was dying. He took that track and he gave it to his wife. And he said, when I am dead and gone, I want you to go to that church. If they thought enough of me to give me this gospel track, I want you to go there. And you know what happened, Brother Brent? She came, got right with God, and she's never left. How about that? Hey, you know what? Uh, from a track, Brother Jason, that happened 10 years ago, you never know what you're doing by giving out the gospel. God will take his word and do something with it. It's just our job to give it out, amen. And I say that we all fail in that area, amen. Sometimes you work with people and you've never even told them that you know Jesus. Shame on you if you work with people and they don't know you know Jesus. All people around you ought to know that you know Jesus, amen. Oh, listen, I remember when I was here in Bible college and I lived in Greenville and I remember working in an an old weaving mill and I, I done a survey. I went in that meal and I, especially the people on my floor. And I said, I, I want to do a survey. I want to know why you want to go to hell. And they called me Rev and they said, well, Rev, I don't want to go to hell. I said, well, then you know, you've got to trust Jesus Christ, repent of your sin. Uh, if you, uh, are going to go to heaven. Otherwise, you're going to hell, you see. I wanted to be a public uh, example when I pass by, when you pass by, and behold, uh, I wonder what kind of an example we are. I think not only public with our faith, but also with our fellowship, who we fellowship with. Do you know sometimes, young couples, that you can fellowship with people in the church that are carnal, and they'll help you get carnal. You need to be careful who you fellowship with. Amen. That isn't being self-righteous. That's just being the way it is. I remember when I had moved to Galilee and there was a few young families and we were younger back in those days. And I, I remember as I would hang around with them once in a while, 
My, my dad said, hey, he said, a preacher told me he knows them families and they're kind of carnal. Are you all right? I said, oh, absolutely. I said, I may go out and eat with them once a year. It wasn't like we fellowshiped all the time. And one of them actually uh, became all right and became a pastor. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, it does matter who you hang around with. Amen. Oh, as I passed by, I beheld your altar. As I passed by, I beheld your announcement. Can I say number three? When I passed by, verse 24 through 26, I beheld your affection. He said, I see you worshiping a God that you don't even know who it is. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. <laughs> he said, I want to tell you a little bit about the object of your worship. But I wonder tonight, what is the object of your worship? If you came by my home, if I came by your home, what would I find that is the object of worship in your life? Here's what he said. He said, first of all, that he's the creator. He said he's made all things. Amen. Uh, Thank God. I know that they want to tell us that we came from a monkey. Now, the way some people act, I could believe that if I didn't believe the Bible. Amen. But I do know that God stepped out of nowhere, created everything out of nothing but his command. There was no big bang. Uh, there was no explosion Uh, we didn't come from a tadpole that turned into a monkey thank God Jesus stepped out and created all things uh, out of nothing uh, but his command amen the Bible said uh, that without him uh, was not anything made uh, that was made and the Bible said uh, that all things consist because of him he not only created everything uh, he keeps it all together Amen. Hallelujah. A couple years ago, scientists discovered that there's millions of galaxies stacked on top of one another. Millions. And you know what? He is beyond that in the great far north. Uh, thank God, hallelujah, where he dwells uh, and he created everything. Amen. Can I say number two? Brother Danny, not only is he the creator but he is in control. You know what he's saying? Oh, now listen, if you're visiting tonight, don't get upset right here. But he said that he is in, in charge. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. If I really thought that the Democrats were in charge, I'd jump off a bridge. Amen. But I'll tell you something, uh, that they, they may think they're in charge, uh, but there's a God in heaven uh, sitting on the throne uh, that still is in charge. He's the Lord of heaven uh, and he's the Lord of the earth. Amen. There's nothing that doesn't happen in this earth that he don't know about it. Amen. He gives the devil the reins to be the God of this world. But when he steps in, when he wants to, he says, nope, you're not going to do that. He said, nope, Hillary ain't getting in. What about that? Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, yes. Oh, got real quiet right there. You know why I believe God allowed that to happen? Because he's a man that he don't have to be, he didn't have to, he didn't have to pay off the lobbyists that helped him to get in so he can do what he wants to do. So he can move that capital to Israel, to Jerusalem. 
They voted on it over 10, 12 years ago. No one just had the guts and the backbone to do it, but he did. And the Lord knew he would. Amen. He came out about a month or two ago and he really made some strong stands against abortion. That surprised me. I ain't going to lie to you. The Lord is in control. I, I think there's enough people, Brother South, that prayed that God intervened on our behalf. And we better pray for the next year and a half that it happens again. The left so hates God and righteousness that I'm telling you, once they get back in control, we're in trouble. You know one thing that I'm very grateful for, and you may not understand it, but it's the fact that we have got to put in two Supreme Court judges. And they said in the four years of this presidency, he'll get to appoint about 60 lower appellate court judges. That is 60 conservative judges, hallelujah, that will help slow down the onslaught of, uh, uh, listen, ungodliness and decisions to, to abort a life uh, and all of those ungodly things that they choose to do. Uh, and can you imagine? And and then <laughs> and our political world, they listen to the stupid celebrities uh, who have said they're going to make their children to be neutral gender. What in the world is that supposed to be? If it's a boy, it's a boy. If it's a girl, it's a girl. Amen. Ain't no neutral gender. God, he said he made a man and a woman and that's what God made and that's what they are. Amen. Amen. If you're visiting, please come back. I'm not the pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, but anyhow, uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, hey, that the Bible said he is Lord of heaven and earth. Amen. Hallelujah. He said he dwells not in temples made of hands. He said he's not worshiped with men's hands. He gives life and breath to all things. John Lennon. He was of the Beatles. He made a statement. He said that we are more popular than Jesus Christ. And he died six months later. Sometimes you can open your mouth too much. And the Lord will take you out. Elton John is a known homosexual. You think I'm going to let that garbage sing to me? You're crazy. Amen. But he made the statement that Jesus was a homosexual. You know what that is? That's blasphemy. The only reason that man has breath in his body is the mercy of God that he don't snuff out his life to make a statement about the son of God like that. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son to die for his sins and mine. Hallelujah. If he would be a bow and kneel, he could be born again tonight. Because Jesus so loves the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. It don't matter the color of your skin. It don't matter what side of church you was born on. My family was a nuisance to society. My dad had been in prison. My my brothers were dope dealers, but Jesus came by and he rescued me and he changed my life and he'll do the same for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hey, hey, hey. It is real. Amen. He said, the object of your worship. Number two, the opinion of your worship. How much 
time do you spend worshiping God? In your prayer life every time, every day, you ought to give some time to worship. My pastor was telling me back in December we had him over there at our little new house we got to build. And, and he said he was reading a book. And he said that the book was talking about in John 17, the Lord's Prayer. And he said, you know, that fellow said, he said that you can divide up the Lord's Prayer that he prayed in about six different segments. And he said, if you prayed 10 minutes a piece on each one of those, you could easily pray an hour. What did Jesus say to Peter, James, and John? Could you not watch with me for just one hour? Just one hour. And part of that segment, one of them is worship. Jesus was worshiping the Father. You see, and ever since we talked about that, you know what I try to do? I try to give some time in my prayer of just worshiping God. Brother Jack, he, he deserves it. Hallelujah. He deserves our worship. And I'll tell you what it'll do. Brother Danny, it'll help your prayer life. You get to worship in him. And before you know it, the little wheel begins to turn the big wheel. And before you know it, you begin to say hallelujah and praise God. And you worship in him. And his odor, hallelujah, fills the room. And his presence comes because you're magnifying him. Amen. Amen. He's worthy. Of worship. You need to do it tonight before you go to bed. Spend some time in that prayer and start worshiping. Tell him how wonderful he is and how marvelous, how glorious. Amen. As I pass by your house, what's the object of your worship? As you pass by mine, what's the object of our affection? What's the object of your affection? Not only our announcement, not only our affection... But our attention, verse 27, he said, we're to seek the Lord. We're to seek the Lord. Now, I don't think whoever created the cell phones of the devil, but they might be. <laughs> but I tell you what, the gadgets have become. They've become distractions that have preoccupied the minds of God's people. Isn't it amazing how you can go out to eat and you see a, 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 maybe a mom and a daughter, a dad or a, and a boy, and they never speak to one another. They t constantly are typing and playing with the phone. They never even look up at each other. And I'm like, how do you do that? When me and my wife, we got to go Friday night for our anniversary. It's, it's this coming week and I'll be going preaching. And so Friday night we went out and celebrated and all. We didn't play with the phones. We talked to one another. You ought to try that sometime. It's really nice that you talk to one another. Amen. <clears throat> but the phone, the devil has used to become a distraction. Ain't nothing wrong in the world playing video games, but how much time do you give to that? I, I remember a preacher I used to preach for way back in the early 2000s and one and two. And I remember his boy was just a, a early teenager. Maybe not even, maybe only 12 and 13, that preteen, as you were saying. And I remember he'd go by and he'd say, okay, son, that's it. You've been on 30 minutes, go do something else. 
He let him come back later on, but he would not let him stay on that thing all day long. I liked that. I thought that's wise. That's smart. And you know what? His son has went through college, got a great job, making a good living, serving Jesus. And I'm not saying that you're playing too much videos, won't let you serve Jesus. But I'm telling you that it'll occupy your time. The devil will take anything he can to preoccupy your time. Can I tell you why I don't like when folks follow along in the reading with their phone instead of getting out a good old King James Bible? Because when the preacher starts preaching 95% of the time, they don't put the phone down. I was at a Jubilee and uh, this fella, I sat right behind him and I watched him. He, he followed along as the preacher was reading his text. But then when he got done reading, he never looked up one time while the man was preaching, Brother David. Never. He constantly was flipping up. He was flipping over, Facebooking, checking that, going to the news, going to YouTube. I'm talking about while the man's preaching. He never one time looked up. You know what happened? That man got distracted. The devil used his phone to preoccupy his mind, and he never got anything from God, God's holy word, because of the cell phone. What has your attention tonight? What has my attention? Could it be a hobby? Could we be so wrapped up in a hobby? Can we be so wrapped up in a person? Could we be so wrapped up in a job? Could we be so wrapped up in something? He said, Brother Holden, we're to seek the Lord. Brother Jason, he said, seek the Lord. Our attention. What, what are we giving our attention to? So as I pass by your house, I behold your devotion to your attention. Who, who gets that at your house? Who, how much of it do you give to the Lord? You know, he said he wants a 10%. If we would give him just 10% of our time, two hours and 40 minutes every day. But I'm, I'm tell you, the Lord gets really a lot less than that most of the time. The average Christian, they said, prays five minutes a day. The average preacher prays 10. And can I tell you, that's not enough. That's not enough. God help us tonight. Amen. Two more points and I'm done. Then we see not only attention, but it comes with attitude. He said, when I behold your attitude, he said in verse 27, he said, happily, happily. I wonder how our attitudes are. If I pass by your house, I wonder what kind of attitude I'd see through the window. I wonder what kind of attitude you would see through the window at my house. Amen. You know, <laughs> see, at home, you'll be yourself. At the church, you put on a good show. But at home, you're you. And boy, that attitude can change really quick, can it? I got to watch my attitude on the road. I do so much traveling. You'd think I'd be over it by now and be better at it by now. But I tell you, that construction drives me crazy. I can't wait till they get to uh, the, the the Jetsons. You remember that commercial, uh, not commercial, but cartoon? Uh, the, the cars could fly. I'm still looking forward to when they get to that point and we can fly over the construction. Amen. But I get aggravated. You know what drives me crazy? 
coming up 85 to Greenville and you got two trucks going up and down the hills and they got that line got us I'm talking about a mile long and because he won't get over and he can't get over and they just I, I, I want to go around them and a few times I have on the emergency the, the, the emergency side and the Holy Ghost said you know better than that I said I know and uh, I'll try not to do that no more amen uh, until the next time but anyway uh, the truth of the matter is our attitude it makes a difference. Amen. If I beheld your attitude, I've seen people come to church with a attitude, daring somebody to say something. Boy, so you can set them straight and tell them off and give them a piece of your mind. But be careful. You may not have a lot to give. Amen. But anyhow, uh, the attitude. Now, there's two things in that verse that I believe would help our attitude. Number one is presence. He said if we would... Feel after him. That word feel means to touch and to handle. If we can get in his presence, that'll help your attitude. <laughs> oh, Brother Holden, when I can get into his presence, boy, it changes my attitude. Oh, I'm telling you, it helps it out. We can get in the presence of God. But then, not only his presence, but our position. He said, he said he's not very far from any one of us. If we recognize but Brent, that he's right there, praise God, that we can reach out and touch him. Amen. When I beheld your devotion when it comes to the altar, when I beheld your devotion when it comes to your affection, your attention, your announcement, when I behold your devotion when it comes to your attitude, and then lastly, when it comes to being alive, he said that we... In him we live. We live. We ought to be excited that we are alive in him. Why do we act like we're at the Catholic church? Thank God this is a Baptist church and you're allowed to say amen. You're allowed to lift up your voice. You're allowed to praise God and lift up your hand and act like you're alive in church. Amen. Our churches have gotten so quiet down through the years. You know what? We ought to be alive. He said in him you live. We're alive. Hallelujah. We ought to act like it. We ought to be excited about being in church tonight. We ought to be excited about being a child of God. Amen. Man, I was going to hell. But Brother David, I'm not going. I'm not going to hell anymore, Brother George. I was as hellbound as I could go. But thank God he came by and rescued me and changed my life. Amen. He said he made us meet. That word means in Colossians, it means he made us fit for heaven. I was fit for hell. But he turned around. He came by, turned me around, and made me fit for heaven. Amen. Old Squire Parsons said I couldn't go to where he was, so he came to me. <laughs> and he came to me, and he made me fit for heaven. You might be here tonight and you're fit for destruction. You might be here tonight and you know with down deep in your heart, you have never really repented of your sin and trusted the blood. You've came on a good night because you could get born again tonight. Hallelujah. And he can put life in you. You know why some people never get excited? They never testify. They never shout because they don't have anything to shout about. Amen. 
Oh, yeah. I've seen people that are very timid and shy, but boy, when they get saved, they can't help it. Every now and then, they'll raise their hand or, or tears will run down their cheeks and a smile on their face. You don't have to shout to be spiritual, but I'm telling you, if God lives in you and the Holy Ghost comes around, it will show that something is happening inside of you if there's life inside of you, amen. Many churches have many dead services because we come in and we're not willing to participate and show that we have some life. Amen. I've heard them talk about it. I was never there to experience it, but many a time they said it, Sammy Allen's, Brother Sammy's, that Brother Dr. Sotler would say when they'd be shouting, he wouldn't be shouting, but it's a spring up a well. Spring up a well. Spring up a well. And it wouldn't be long, he'd be a shouting. Amen. Spring up, oh well. Every now and then you gotta come to church and say, Spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. And before you know it, you'll say, Hallelujah. It's good to be in church. Amen. Do you good to have a good fit every now and then? My pastor friend who built my house. He came back Thursday in between the porch post. We have to still put the vinyl lattice around, build a little frame for it. And so my dad come over. He always says the pizza man. He'll come over and bring his pizza. Hallelujah. Them, them $6 Caesar's pizza, they're pretty good. And, and we got to talking about that Syrophoenician woman and talking about how that she said, Yay, Lord. She said, even the dog get the crumbs that fall from the children's table. And my dad, I mean, he let out a good old war hoop and, and he's on the front. And then that thing echoed, you know, and I thought my neighbor's going to think, what in the world is going on over there? But you know what? I was glad. Hallelujah. I, I'm not ashamed that we were rejoicing, me and that preacher and my dad. I'm telling you, we're about to get ready to take a lap out in the yard. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong with being alive and being excited about being saved. Amen. When's the last time you testified? When's the last time preacher said anybody got a word that you were on fire? You couldn't help it. You had to say something. That you got up that morning, got down to praying that Sunday morning. You come in and you couldn't help it. You were ready to worship. Hallelujah. I remember one Sunday morning in Galilee. Miss Margie, her and Brother Wayne, they come in in that moment. You know how that moment is right before the piano player starts playing the piano. It was dead silent. And the piano player was sitting on the piano stool. And she kicked that back door open. And she, I mean, let out a war hoop, son. And I ain't going to lie to you. It scared me half to death. Man, the hair raised up on the back of my neck. I mean, because we couldn't see her. She was behind those doors. But she let out a scream and a holler. And you know what she was excited about? It was Mother's Day. And all of her children on that day were in church. And all of her spouse, their spouses were in church. And all the grandchildren were in church. But I'll tell you what it did. 
She'd come in that morning uh, for Sunday school and she said, Preacher, I've got a test of iron brag on Jesus. Uh, and then it rubbed off on her husband. He got to squalling. Said, I've got a test of iron. And then somebody else and somebody else and then somebody else and somebody else. And we went through the 11 o'clock hour all the way to about 1230. Uh, people shouting, crying, bragging on Jesus because somebody came to church excited about being saved. Amen. Y'all have seen that down through the years here. When's the last time that you come in and God used you to kick off a testimony service? That you were just bubbling. You know what part of the problem is? I'm going to tell you. Because I'm guilty of it too. We come to church with so much on our mind. When I was building a house in the summer, I had a lot more Wednesday nights off because I was not out preaching. I was building. So I went to church where I wasn't preaching. I was listening. You know, I found myself doing Brother Sal. I found my mind started saying, while the preacher's going on, okay, let's see. All right, tomorrow we're going to do this and do this and do this. And this truck's coming and bringing that. Then I have to say, wait a minute. Whoa. I've got to, I've got to pay attention to what's being said. I've got to put my mind in this service. And so being that you work every day, when you come to church, your mind, if you're not careful, will be talking and thinking about all the affairs that's going on in your life, all the things. That is why Paul told Timothy, be careful that you don't let the get entangled in the affairs of this life because you can get so involved that you come to church like a zombie and your mind is so diverted. Come in, put all that aside just for a couple of hours. And worship God. And you know what? It'll change your life. Hallelujah. Let's stand if you would please. Come get us a song to play. He said as I passed by. I beheld your devotion. Concerning your altar. Concerning your announcement. Concerning your affection. Concerning your attention. Concerning your attitude, concerning being alive, play whenever you're ready. Several have come tonight. What about you? Could you be here tonight and not really know Jesus? Would you come and let us take a King James Bible and show you how to be saved? you're visiting tonight I love everybody on the left everybody on the right I don't push a Republican as far as I'm concerned they all need to be thrown out and change it and start all over so I don't want you to let the devil use that to bother your mind Jesus loves everybody and I want everybody to come to Christ and be saved But we do believe in the Bible. We do believe in the commandments of the Lord. God does make some statements in his word and they're just true. What about you tonight? Could you honestly say if I dropped dead tonight that I would go to heaven? I've known more people around me to die in the last year and a half than I've seen in probably 10 years. Just... Another phone call and another phone call and another phone call and another phone call. Life is short. You never know when it's going to be your last.
my nephew's wife, her daddy, his father-in-law, he works out in a field in a farm up there in Kentucky. Boom, drops to the ground, his heart quits beating. They rushed him to the emergency room, took him, put him in hospital. First thought it was a heart attack, then thought it was a stroke. Then ended up, don't know exactly why, they, but they had to pull the plug on Wednesday, died yesterday. I'm telling you, life is short. You better know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you've been passed from death unto life. As I pass by, would I see your name on the roll? Do you know Christ tonight? I just kind of feel like maybe somebody needs to trust him tonight. Don't go to hell tonight, please. I beg you with all that's within me, don't go to hell tonight. Please don't go to hell tonight. I love you with my heart. I want you to be saved if you're lost. Then if you're here tonight and you know that you're not praying and you know that you're not walking right, won't you come? Won't you let the good Lord help you tonight? He wants to. When I passed by, I beheld your devotion to that altar, to that announcement, to that affection, to that attention, to that attitude, to being alive. When I passed by, when you pass by my house, what do you see? That works both ways. What do you see? The Lord help us tonight. Preacher, you come on.